Well, it seems highly appropriate that we have a baptism today on this second Sunday of Advent when we're thinking about John the Baptist and we remember his ministry of baptising people. And for Methodists, baptism is one of the two sacraments that we recognise. I know the Roman Catholics recognise seven, but we have two, the other being the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. And a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. It's an outward sign, for example, baptism, of God's undeserved grace offered to all. It's an outward sign of belonging to the Christian community. It's an outward sign of cleansing and forgiveness that's made possible through the cross. It can also be a sign of repentance and faith for adults, as it was indeed for John the Baptist, that we pray will become a reality for our children. And our gospel lesson begins with the historian Luke giving us the setting of John the Baptist's ministry. Sorry, Ollie, for all those names. I got you with that one. (laughs) Luke sets the scene by actually uh, giving us a historical setting in six different ways. Why? Because for Luke, the emergence of John the Baptist was a pivotal point in history. I could go into all the characters uh, that Ollie had to get her tongue around, but they included the emperor, the governor, the rulers, and the high priests. And perhaps Luke was not only saying this was when it happened, but also, look, this happened through John the Baptist, not through the leaders and those in authority. God's word was coming through a rather strange, eccentric man, John, the son of a priest named Zechariah, whose wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. And then Zechariah had a vision in the temple uh, that his wife would have a child and that he would be great in the sight of the Lord. He wouldn't take any wine or fermented drink and he'd be filled with the spirit right from birth. And it was he who was to become a messenger. He was going to bring God's word. Just as eventually the word would be made flesh through a vulnerable child in Jesus. God uses surprising people to bring about his purposes. And the first thing I want to share is to just reflect on this passage in the context of baptism is God speaks through surprising people. Don't be surprised if God uses you, speaks to you through surprising people or even speaks through you in surprising ways to other people. You see, we see a pattern in the Old Testament. The prophets often protested that they were the wrong people. They argued that they weren't equipped to be God's messengers. The grounds of age, experience, whether they were articulate or sinful or whatever. And yet it was the likes of the people of Jeremiah, Moses and Isaiah that God used to challenge the community. God takes the ordinary and uses them in extraordinary ways. Uh, Francis will tell you this, but I was very nervous uh, about becoming a minister or preacher because my lack of ability and knowledge. 
And yet people spoke to me and encouraged me and said, this is God's work, not yours. It's whether or not he has called you that matters. He who calls you will equip you. And if we're not careful, we can always presume God's word will come from somewhere else. But actually, those places we tend to look are often the places where actually it can all go wrong because of money, power, authority, earthly wisdom. Those things are not wrong in themselves. But actually, God often chooses the humble, the least expected person to bring the whisper of his word. Some things can get in the way. So who are the contemporary prophets of today? Do we listen to them? Do we look in surprising places for God's word? Remember the word came in the desert, not in the temple. Are we listening to the right people? Do we actually pay attention to the slightly odd folk? I believe God's got a message for us today. A message that's still relevant through John the Baptist, but a relevant message today. I can tell you, people who've spoken God's word, John, uh, George Furness, when I was a, a youngster in the Sunday school, he died recently. I wrote to his widow and they read the letter out at the funeral because if it wasn't for George, I wouldn't be here today. He was a surprising person to capture the attention of a young person. He was a bank manager. Uh, Very boring, actually, in many ways, bless him. But he brought the Old Testament alive. David Clark, who opened up the Bible and shared God's word with young people and inspired us. Dr. Peter Graves, who had a tremendous influence, who believed in me when I didn't know whether God was calling me to ministry. My wife. God speaks to you through surprising people. What about you? And consider the people that you might be an influence upon. As we think about baptism, we're thinking uh, uh, about a child who's there growing up and who will be shaped by the things we say and do. We have an influence on children and grandchildren, on work colleagues, family, friends. Believe that God can even speak through you. Because Feeling adequate, inadequate, sorry, goes with the territory. All God needs is faith, humility, and an openness to the spirit, a knowledge of his word, and the courage to speak when you really deep down believe something needs to be said. At that time, the word of God came to John in the desert I pray God's word will come to you and that you will be his prophets today in surprising ways. The second thing is God calls people to make choices and changes. Change is very difficult, especially if it means going against the flow or upsetting our lives in some way. And yet there's a need for radical change in the world. And it starts often with small steps. When we look at the world and we think, how on earth can the world change? It begins with us making choices and changes about the small things. 
I can remember when I first became a Christian, I was working in the city and I was conscious that my faith was coming alive and yet I was going into a place where I felt, again, very inadequate. I was very young. How could I maintain a Christian witness? And one of the things that God said to me is, do not blaspheme. It was a simple thing and I resolved while I was at work when blasphemy was all around that I would not blaspheme. That was one thing I could do. And I wore a little fish badge as well. And everyone used to ask me what angling club I belonged to. And I was able to tell them something about uh, my faith. But that was just my little way. The first thing that I put a marker down to say, this is a small choice I can make and a change I can make that can make a difference. And all of us are called to make choices, make changes in our lives for good. And John the Baptist was calling people to make those choices, to change your mind over things, to change direction, to turn away from selfishness towards God's love. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. If we believe that, we should change our ways. And if God is really everything to us, if Jesus is our Lord and reigns, then that should affect our decision-making. And when he reigns, it makes it easier to make the choices and the changes because the Holy Spirit will enable you to do what's necessary. In the Old Testament, there was a moral call to return to the law and the covenant, the relationship to a relationship with God that had fallen away, to avoid the painful consequences of righteous judgment The day of the Lord was to come. And the prophet Malachi calls God's people to wake up. People have become sluggish and cynical in their worship. What's more, their ethical standards were slipping. And it's something that can easily happen to Christians today because of the ordinariness of things that happen around us at work or in our families that we begin to do what everybody else does. There was a call to change. And when the Israelites had first returned from exile in Babylon, it was expected that there would be a fresh start for the people of God. That the people would return to the Lord. That he would have his rightful place and they would serve him again. But they were human. They came back and then they started getting into the routine of life. Malachi was calling for integrity and truthfulness, both in their worship and in their relationships. And I think that call is to us today too, for sincerity in our worship, for integrity in our relationships, in our society, in our church. Do we stand for truth, justice, compassion, And peace. Our lesson today spoke of the coming messenger who would prepare the people for the sudden coming of God. And when that coming would happen, there would be cleansing, there would be refining, the burning up of all the dross that would be both beautiful but terrifying. And John the Baptist was also calling people to repent, just as the prophets of old had done. And the call to repentance was an important theme in Luke's gospel. And water was a symbol of cleansing, 
washing, new life, new birth, coming out of the water, a new beginning, the breaking of the waters. Do you long for a new beginning in your life? If we pray that Jesus will reign in our lives, then he will call you to make choices and changes. And some of you today will be conscious of a choice that you may need to make in your workplace or perhaps as we approach Christmas in your relationships. Don't just do what other people say. What is the Lord calling you to do? Receive his forgiveness, his new beginning and his strength to make the choice. The choices are there in John's gospel all the way through, light, dark, Truth, falsehood, sheep, goats, lost, found. (laughs) You keep going through, there's all these choices. And we're presented with choices. John the Baptist was calling people to change direction, change their mind. Do business with God and be prepared for the Saviour to come. Are we prepared for the coming of Jesus? He enables that choice, but are we prepared for his coming again as our judge? Or will we say, we're sorry, we didn't choose, we didn't change. God speaks through surprising people. He calls people to a new direction. Peter Kay, I love Peter Kay, enjoyed his humour. Did you know he used to be a warm-up comedian for Parkinson, Michael Parkinson. He used to warm up the crowd before uh, the, uh, uh, Michael Parkinson came on. And he used to go out in front of the audience and make them laugh. He was so successful that eventually he became the main act. And if you ever saw him on Parkinson, actually Parkinson couldn't control him. He was ruling <laughs> completely. Now there is a sense that John the Baptist was the warm-up for Jesus, he was getting things ready, but he never eclipsed Jesus. He always pointed the, direct, the right direction, the right way. Jesus was the main act. And the first thing I want to say about that is sometimes we, with our confidence as we grow in faith, can think it's all about us. And somehow, And this is a lesson for preachers and ministers. It's a lesson for us all, I suppose, in our families. Never let ourselves get in the way of Jesus. Make sure in your family you never get in the way of Jesus for your children. Jesus is the main deal. And we need to slip in the background and point people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. The church isn't the main thing. Jesus is the main thing. Make sure we don't eclipse the main deal. And the other thing is that John the Baptist pointed the way. He prepared the way. If you like, he was, I suppose, rather than the warm-up, he was the cool-down, especially with all that water, Uh, He was actually getting people to have a sober look at their lives before Jesus came. I encourage you, 
to have a sober look at your life, but also prepare the way for others. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you like, John did the roadworks to prepare the highway to eternal life. If you look at our motorways, they cut through the countryside. They dominate the landscape. The uneven places become even. The chasms are bridged. The trees are removed. The dross needs to be removed in order for the highway to exist. And that's what John the Baptist was doing, giving people a chance to clear away what was getting in the way so that they could find Jesus the way, the truth and the life. Get the road ready for the Lord. Make a straight path for him to travel is the message. And there is a narrow way, the way of Jesus. There is a warning, isn't there? Broad is the road that leads to destruction. We need to actually be focusing on the narrow way and also playing our part to prepare the way for others that they may find eternal life. Proverbs 4, 18 to 19. The road the, right, the road the righteous travel is like the sunrise, getting brighter and brighter until the daylight has come. The road of the wicked, however, is dark as night. They fall, but they cannot see what they have stumbled over. I pray the light may shine this Christmas, that we may be able to clear out the stumbling blocks and actually travel that road together to eternal life and actually be channels of the opening of the kingdom of God. Amen.